0: Section 8 of Dogmatic Theology, Soteriology by William G. T. Shedd. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Conversion. Conversion is the action of man which results from regeneration. As the etymology implies, it is turning towards, converto, a certain point and away from a certain point. Conversion consists of two acts one, faith. 2. Repentance. Faith is turning to Christ as the ground of justification and away from self as the ground. Repentance is turning to God as the chief end of existence and away from the creature as the chief end. Faith and repentance are converting acts, the first having principal reference to justification, the second to sanctification, the first to the guilt of sin, the second to its corruption. The Westminster Confession defines faith in Jesus Christ as a saving grace, whereby we receive and rest upon him for salvation. There is a difference between belief, assensus, and faith, fiducia. The first is assent to testimony, the last is assent to testimony, and also trust in the person who gives the testimony. Justifying faith, not only assenteth to the truth of the promise, but receiveth and resteth upon Christ for pardon, Larger Catechism 72. There may be belief without faith. A man may credit the statements made by Jesus Christ and yet not rest in him for salvation. Faith is a saving grace, but belief is not. All who are not sceptics believe the testimony of Christ and his apostles, but not all who are not sceptics have faith. Faith is accompanied with love, belief is not. The devils believe and tremble. The natural man believes that God is merciful but does not trust in his mercy. This distinction is marked in the New Testament by the use of the prepositions connected with the verb or noun. Pistevo, when used in reference to Christ, is accompanied with en, is, and epi, because the object is to denote rest and reliance upon his person. Paul said to the jailer, Believe on, pistevson epi, the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. He did not bid him merely to believe that the statements which he had heard from Paul respecting Christ were correct. He bade him do much more than this, namely receive and rest on Christ himself as a living and personal redeemer. Had he asked only for the assent of the mind to testimony, he would have said, Believe the Lord Jesus Christ. The same use of the prepositions is sometimes associated with the gospel because of its connection with Christ. Repent and believe. pistevate en the Gospel Mark 1:15. Even when there is no preposition, pistevo sometimes denotes trust. Christ did not commit himself. Uk episteven eafton, John 2:24. Who will commit to your trust the true riches? This pistevsi, Luke 16:11. Unto them were committed the oracles. epistevthesan, Romans 3.2 The gospel of circumcision was committed to me. Galatians 2.7 I know whom I have believed, or trusted in, or pepistevka. 2 Timothy 1.12 An instance of mere belief in testimony is found in Mark 11.31 Why did ye not believe him? Deati uch epistevsate afto. This fiducial or confiding nature of faith is taught in the phrases looking to Christ, receiving Christ, eating his flesh, drinking his blood. The definition which makes faith merely belief in testimony converts Christ into a witness only. He is this but much more, a prince and saviour, a prophet, priest and king, a person not to be believed merely but to believe in and on. Faith is an effect of which regeneration is the cause. This is taught in 1 John 5.1, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Philippians 1.29, Unto you it is given in behalf of Christ to believe on Him. 2 Thessalonians 1.11, We pray that God would fulfill in you all the good pleasure of His goodness and the work of faith with power. 1 Corinthians 2.5, That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men but in the power of God. John six forty four and 65. No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him. No man can come unto me except it were given him of my Father. 1 Peter 1, 21. By him do you believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God. The order and connection between regeneration and faith is taught by our Lord. After announcing the doctrine of regeneration to Nicodemus in John 3, 3, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He then, in John three fourteen to 18 proceeds to speak of his own atonement for sin, and of man's trust in it. The Son of Man must be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. That great change which Christ denominates being born again, manifests itself first of all in an act of reliance upon Christ's blood of atonement. Saving faith in the person and work of the Redeemer follows regeneration and always presupposes it. The following particulars are to be noted: One, evangelical faith is an act of man. The active nature of faith in Christ is indicated in the Scripture phraseology, which describes it as coming to Christ (Matthew 11:28), looking to Christ (John 1:29), receiving Christ (John 3:11), following Christ (John 8:12). The object of the epistle of James is to teach that faith is an active principle. Dead faith, the epistle defines to be faith without works, that is, pretended faith that does not work. The hypocrite merely says that he has faith, James 2.14. 2. Evangelical faith is an act of both the understanding and the will. It is complex, involving a spiritual perception of Christ and an affectionate love of Him. A. That faith is an intelligent act is proved by John 6, 44-45. They shall be all taught by God. Every man, therefore, that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. 2 Corinthians 3, 14, 4, 4. Ephesians 1, 17 and 18. God giveth the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ. 1 John 2, 20. Ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things b. That faith is an affectionate and voluntary act is proved by Galatians 5.6. Faith worketh by love. Ephesians 6.23. Peace be to the brethren, and love, with faith from God the Father. Ephesians 3.17. 4.16. 5.2. Colossians 2.2. 2, 1 Thessalonians 3.12. 5.8. 1 Timothy 1.14. 2 Timothy 1.13. Hold fast the form of sound words in faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. 3. Evangelical faith is the particular act that unites the soul to Christ. For this reason it stands first in the order of the acts that result from regeneration. The Holy Spirit applieth to us the redemption purchased by Christ by working faith in us and thereby uniting us to Christ in our effectual calling. Shorter Catechism 30 Penitence for sin, love of holiness, hope, long-suffering, patience, temperance, etc. are none of them acts by which Christ's atonement for sin is laid hold of and made personal. Trusting faith is the special exercise of the soul by which this is done, and hence faith is the first thing commanded. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Acts 16.13 This is the work of God, that ye believe on him whom he hath sent. John 6.29 Footnote. The priority in the order of faith to all other acts is illustrated by the following anecdote. In a beautiful New England village a boy lay very sick, drawing near to death, and very sad. His heart longed for the treasure which was worth more to him now than all the gold of the western mines. One day I sat down by him, took his hand, and, looking in his troubled faith, asked him what made him sad. "'Uncle,' said he, "'I want to love God. Won't you tell me how to love God?' I cannot describe the piteous tones in which he said these words and the look of anxiety which he gave me. I said to him, My boy, you must trust God first, and then you will love him without trying to at all. With a surprised look he exclaimed, What did you say? I repeated the exact words again, and I shall never forget how his large hazel eyes opened on me, and his cheek flushed as he slowly said, Well, I never knew that before. I always thought that I must love God first before I had any right to trust him. No, my dear boy, I answered, God wants us to trust Him. That is what Jesus always asks us to do first of all, and He knows that as soon as we trust Him we shall begin to love Him. This is the way to love God, put your trust in Him first of all. Then I spoke to Him of the Lord Jesus, and how God sent Him that we might believe in Him, and how all through His life He tried to win the trust of men, how grieved He was when men would not believe in Him, and everyone who believed came to love without trying at all. He drank in all the truth, and simply saying, I will trust Jesus now, without an effort, put his young soul into Christ's hands that very hour, and so he came into the peace of God which passeth understanding, and lived in it calmly and sweetly to the end. End The union with Christ by faith is not natural and substantial like that between Adam and his posterity, nor is it moral and social like that between individuals in a corporation or state. Its characteristics are the following. A. It is a spiritual union because of its author, the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 6.17 He that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. 1 Corinthians 12.13 By one spirit are we all baptized into one body. 1 John 3.24 Hereby we know that he abideth in us by the spirit which he hath given us. 1 John 4.13 B. It is a vital union because it involves a divine and spiritual life derived from Christ. John fourteen nineteen because I live, ye shall live also john eleven twenty five he that believeth in me though he were dead, yet shall he live galatians two twenty I live yet not I, but Christ liveth in me c it is an eternal union john ten twenty eight they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand romans eight thirty five to thirty nine who shall separate us from the love of Christ. 1 Thessalonians 4:14 4, and 17. D. It is a mystical, that is, mysterious union. The elect are mystically joined to Christ. Larger Catechism 67. Ephesians 5.32. This is a great mystery I speak concerning Christ and the Church. The spiritual union between Christ and his people is individual, not specific. It does not rest upon unity of race and nature. It results from regeneration, not from creation. Consequently, it is not universal, but particular. Upon this spiritual and mystical union rests the federal and legal union between Christ and His people. Because they are spiritually, vitally, eternally, and mystically one with Him, His merit is imputable to them, and their demerit is imputable to Him. The imputation of Christ's righteousness supposes a union with Him. It could not be imputed to an unbeliever because he is not united to Christ by faith. 4. Saving faith terminates on Christ as its object, and upon Christ in all three of his offices prophet, priest, and king. Since, however, guilt is a prominent fact in man's condition, the priestly office is prominent in relation to faith as described in Scripture. Under the Levitical economy, faith was indispensable. The typical sacrifice must be offered trusting in the promise of God concerning the Messiah. Merely to bring and slay a lamb, as an opus operatum, was not sufficient. There must be filial reverence for the divine command and confidence in the divine promise of mercy through the coming Redeemer. The second effect of regeneration is repentance. The word metanua denotes a change of mind, nous. but mind is employed in the sense of disposition, will or inclination, as in Romans 7.25, with the mind, noi, I myself serve the law of God. It is an instance in which nous is put for Cardia, See Anthropology, page 130. The word metamelome is sometimes employed to denote the genuine sorrow that accompanies repentance. Matthew 21.29. Afterwards he repented and went. To Corinthians 7.8. Though I made you sorry, I do not repent, though I did repent. Matthew 21.32. And ye, when ye had seen it, repented not afterwards, that ye might believe him. Hebrews 7.21, the Lord swore and will not repent. In Matthew 27.3, it denotes the impenitent remorse of Judas. But metanua, not metamelia, is the technical term in the New Testament for repentance. The difference between penitence and remorse is described in 2 Corinthians 7, 9 and 10. Penitence is godly sorrow and is one of the elements in repentance. The definition of repentance in the Westminster Confession, 15.2, comprises the following particulars. A. A sense not only of the danger but of the odiousness of sin. B. The apprehension of God's mercy in Christ. C. Grief for and turning from sin. Footnote. Sorrow for sin must be carefully distinguished from shame on account of it. The impenitent experience shame for sin, and they awake to shame and everlasting contempt. Daniel 12.2 a person may feel degraded by his vices and ashamed of them without any sincere grief for them as committed against God. Such feeling as this is selfish, while godly sorrow is disinterested. A man may be vexed and angry with himself and despise himself without any humble prostration of soul before God and confession of guilt. A sense of the meanness and disgrace of sin is not the sense of its odiousness and ill desert. End footnote. D the purpose and endeavour to walk in God's commandments. Ezekiel 36.31 Then shall ye remember your evil ways, and shall loathe yourselves in your own sight for your iniquities. Psalm 51.4 Against thee, thee only, have I sinned, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and clear when thou judgest. 2 Corinthians 7.11 That ye sorrowed after a godly sort, what carefulness is wrought in you, yea, what indignation, what fear, what vehement desire, what zeal, Ezekiel eighteen thirty and thirty one, Joel two, twelve and thirteen, Amos five, fifteen, Psalm one hundred and nineteen, one hundred and twenty eight, Jeremiah thirty one, eighteen and nineteen, I have heard Ephraim bemoaning himself thus, thou hast chastised me as a bullock unaccustomed to the yoke. Turn thou unto me, and I shall be turned, for thou art the Lord my God. Though faith and repentance are inseparable and simultaneous, yet in the order of nature faith precedes repentance. Zechariah 12.10 They shall look on me, whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son. Acts 11.22 A great number believed and turned unto the Lord. This order is evinced by the following particulars. A. Faith is the means, and repentance is the end. Faith leads to repentance, not repentance to faith. The scriptures present God's mercy in redemption as the motive to repentance. Jeremiah 3.14 Jeremiah Turn, O backsliding children, saith the Lord, for I am married unto you. Joel 2.13 Turn unto the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful. B. Repentance involves turning to God, but there can be no turning but through Christ. John 14.6 No man cometh unto the Father but by me. John 10.9 I am the door. C. If repentance precedes faith, then it stands between the sinner and Christ. The sinner cannot go to Christ just as he is, but must first make certain that he has repented. D. If repentance precedes faith, then none but the penitent man is invited to believe in Christ. This contradicts Romans 5.6. Christ died for the ungodly. Impenitent sinners are commanded to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ in order to the remission of their sins. E. The doctrine that repentance precedes faith tends to make repentance legal, that is, a reason why Christ should accept the sinner. F. God, out of Christ and irrespective of faith in Christ, is a consuming fire. Deuteronomy 4.24, Hebrews 12.29 It is impossible to have godly sorrow with this view of God. Only remorse and terror are possible. In such passages as Mark 1.15, Repent ye and believe the gospel, and Acts 20.21, testifying repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ, the end is mentioned first and the means last. In a proposition, a term may have a position verbally, which it has not logically. In Jeremiah 31.34, Sanctification is mentioned before pardon. They shall all know me, for I will forgive their iniquity. Footnote. Melanchthon taught that repentance was the effect of the law and anterior to faith, and used forms of expression which were thought to imply that good works or sanctification, although not the ground of justification, were nevertheless a causa sine qua non of our acceptance with God. To this Luther objected, as true sanctification is the consequence, and in no sense the condition of the sinner's justification. We are not justified because we are holy, but being justified we are made holy. Hodge Theology 3.238 End footnote. End of section 8.